You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 820 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Thursday evening into Friday, and if you missed it on Thursday afternoon, I posted a part one conversation with myself and Zach Milner of Stepien. This podcast you're listening to right now will be part two. So if you missed part one, go back and check it out. I wanted to get it up as quickly as possible after we recorded it on Thursday. So that posted on Thursday midday, sort of an odd time for me to post a podcast, but there you go on that. And then this is part two as you will that you will have for your Friday morning commute. Uh, one note that I wanted to pass along to you news-wise in between that podcast and this one is that Sham Sarania reported on Thursday afternoon that the NBA told its Board of Governors that the 2020-21 season, so the upcoming season, will not begin until at least Christmas Day. That is not a big surprise to anyone paying attention, but given that the last formal announcement from the NBA was targeting December 1st, that is a change, and it's one that uh, we all anticipated at the same time. It could be even later than that. That is, again, I, I, I want to mention it one more time, at least Christmas Day. It could be much later than that, potentially, but uh, as uh, you know, as sort of just doing the math there. The Hawks have not played since mid-March. That'd be nine and a half months or so if it was Christmas Day. It could be even longer than that, but that's the latest on that front to go along with the updates that we talked about yesterday on the podcast with regard to the draft and free agency, etc. Okay, without further delay, I want to get to my conversation with Zach Milner. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please check it out. Tell a friend, and we will see you next time. Without further delay, here is Zach. Okay, I want to pivot now uh, to the options that everyone is discussing for the Hawks at six. First thing I want to say is that um, obviously some of these guys are not going to be there uh, and the decision will in some ways be made for them or at least be helped by teams like the Cavs and the Bulls ahead of them unless Travis Schleck likes to move move up. Assuming he doesn't do that, um, I have sort of a, a smattering of guys I want to ask you about that are often projected to the Hawks. Uh, I guess we'll start with Denny Avdia, who is a guy, it feels like more and more from what I hear and read and see that he might be off the board by this point in time, but uh, an interesting player for sure. What do you think about Denny and uh, beyond the player himself? uh, How would you feel about him in Atlanta? Yeah, Denny's interesting. Um, At six is probably about where I'd start considering taking him. I I think there is a chance that he goes before, but at the same time, I'm sort of a little lower on his upside compared to others, although I do think he's a role player. And I think in Atlanta, it makes sense. I, I do think with him, I, I do worry about his uh, ability to create in the half court, although he's such my, – my favorite thing apart him is his off-ball movement and his cutting. I'm not sure if, if you've noticed the same thing, but his off-ball movement, he gets some easy points from that, and even his cuts just open up shots for teammates. Yeah, he knows how to, he knows how to play. That's something I like about Denny. I I too I'm a little bit lower on his upside overall, which scares me a, a little bit. But I also think that he is very projectable. I like him in transition as well. Like he's kind of a sneaky, effective uh, transition player for someone who uh, maybe not has that profile overall. But yeah, I, I think that Denny just does a lot of little things very well, which endears him to people that pay attention closely. But I, I do agree that the overall worry that I have is probably upside related. Do you do you buy the jump shot development? I know it looks better. It went in a little bit more later on, but um, there are some not so great indicators as well. 
Yeah, I think I'm fine with this shot. I'm not sure her up would be this above average or elite shooter, but I, I, I don't think he'll hurt a team's spacing and people won't close out on him, at least. I, I think he'll be average, maybe a little bit above average shooter. I think that uh, his his percentages actually weren't as bad as everyone th- thought when you like look at, if you get rid of like the last three seconds of, of shot clocks or if you look at just uh, Israeli League instead of Euro League, but I guess you can't really ignore all of that. But at the same time, I'm not too worried about his shot. I think that while people were definitely getting very excited about the <laughs> mechanics change before they came back to play and the mechanics didn't look great when he came back, although he was knocking down shots, I think that was sort of expected uh, that it went back to how it used to shoot to a certain extent because it it's hard to change muscle memory in a game setting when you're when you're working out is different than in a game setting so so two months who knows how long it took for him to actually start doing that but i i was expecting it to go back to how it was before although i do think now that he has uh more time preparing for the draft and all that kind of stuff i think once he comes back whether it's i don't even know we're, we're not going to have summer like it doesn't seem like but preseason no. The, the shot the shot should look better by then, and even if it takes a year or two, I think he'll be a fine shooter. Yeah, I, I think I generally agree with that. Uh, I did think it was funny, the the overzealousness about the workout videos with Denny's jump shot was uh, kind of funny. There's always, uh, you know, I think about Mo Bamba in that same way, when Mo, Bamba, Mo, Mo Bamba's agent really earned his commission uh, before the draft. Uh, there's always a guy like that, and I, I do think that Denny is pretty good. I do want to ask you about two things quickly about him, one of which is his defense, where I think he's going to be pretty solid, but I'm wondering uh, how effective he can be. And then number two, uh, there's this notion that he's a point forward. Uh, where do you Where do you stack up? On uh, on the thought process of him, uh, sort of running your offense through Denny. Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer the defense first. I think that he has looked like he's put on some nice strength over the last couple of years, and his body is developing well. So I do think he's going to turn a good defender. I think he's smart, and if he's if his strength isn't a problem, he'll be able to defend the perimeter or at least some some wings as well. Um, don't think he'll be defending guards successfully consistently. But but yeah, when you go to to offense with him as a, a point forward, I personally wouldn't do that. Like I said, I do have some concerns about his creation in the half court. I do think he can run some pick and rolls in the half court, and it wouldn't it would be successful. But it's not someone that I like to rely on consistently in the half court. If that makes sense, it absolutely does. I, I feel the same way. It's uh, you know I understand kind of why it's out there. Uh, he is comfortable with, his, with the ball in his hands, but um, you know the comps to guys who run the off who run the offenses is not what I would be looking for. He's definitely a secondary guy who could run a pick and roll for you. He can handle the ball. He can pass. But definitely not a primary in my mind, which, again, goes back to the upside question of what he actually uh, projects to be. So you said you're a little bit lower. Like, I mean, I'm not going to pin you down now, but do you think six would be appropriate for Denny if the Hawks landed in that direction and he was available, or is that too high for you? No, I think it's fine, to be honest. I think that in this draft, for me, um, picking in, in this range is tough because... In a normal draft, I normally wouldn't want anyone available in this range. Although I guess I guess Killian Hayes should be falling, so I will say that I do like him in this range. But in a normal draft, there's so many guys that are projected to go in this range that I wouldn't like here. So someone has to go there, obviously. So it's fine. Um, there's there's a tier that's like from like four or five to like eleven or twelve. Where I, it makes sense for any of the players, in my opinion. That makes uh, total sense, and yeah, it's it's a. <laughs> On one hand, there are talented guys available, but on the other, it might not be the greatest value spot to be in. We will see what the Hawks end up doing, of course. Okay, I'm going to ask you about a couple more guys, but hold on tight. We have a quick break, and we'll be right back. 
you want Chinese food, they want pizza, and somebody else in the group is craving dessert. But fortunately, there's something for everybody on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. And ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery setting as DoorDash aims to keep communities safe. DoorDash has over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and Puerto Rico. You can support all of your local go-to restaurants or choose from your favorite national brands. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the promo code Locked On MBA. Don't forget that's code Locked On MBA for five dollars off your first order with DoorDash. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the good folks at Built Bar, and Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are eighteen amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like lemon almond cheesecake, caramel brownie, and a personal favorite of mine with the cookies and cream flavor. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they are all soft and easy to chew. And from there, it's important to note that Built Bars are fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something very, very delicious. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high, t- high pro- protein, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great for people on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code Locked On. When you do that, you'll get $10 off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on for $10 off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. All right, Zach, uh, let's go to Isaac Okoro and Devin Vassell. I'm grouping them on purpose together. I know this is not a surprise to anyone listening or to you, but uh, they are similar positioned players. They're very different players, but they're often compared to one another. And uh, I want to just ask you about both of them. Broadly speaking, before we dive into both, uh, do you have a preference between those two? And if it, if, they, if you don't, do you have a preference about those two in Atlanta? Because they are so different that it might be a fit question uh, on, e- on either side. Yeah, so generally I like Vassell more than Okoro. In terms of Atlanta, I think it sort of depends on what you're looking for. I mean, Vassell is obviously the better shooter now. And I think he's a – I mean, I, I'm confident that Vassell is the best team defender in the class. But at the same time, Okoro is a better perimeter defender. So it, it just comes down to what you're looking for on that end. But Vassell obviously is a better shooter right now as well. So that's why I lean Vassell. But from Atlanta, I can see either or. Yeah, Vassell is just – the way I always refer to it is that he's he's the plug-and-play guy. It's just a lot easier to figure out what to do with Devin Vassell. And that's not always a good thing, but it's, pro- it's probably a good thing overall that, you know, it's just – you know what he can do. Uh, he fits kind of anywhere with what he can and can't do, uh, and that makes it um, interesting to me. I mean, you mentioned his off-ball defense. Uh, I want to ask you about his offense real quick, because I feel like I was talking about his defense too, and I, we agree about his off-ball defense. It's so good. But offensively, the shooting was good this year. Uh, do you think he has a lot of creation ability? That's kind of where I feel like people are divided on him a little bit, is like, can he get his own shot? Can he be someone who, maybe maybe doesn't, doesn't create for others, but can get his own shot a little bit and uh, add a little bit of upside offensively? Or is he just a more of a small role catch-and-shoot guy, catch shoot type for you? So I think he's he's more than just being a small role catch-and-shoot guy, but I, I don't, he's not going to be this, like, number one guy on offense. So yep. I think uh, with him, I was really impressed with his offense. And he, he did show the flashes of creation this year because my favorite thing about him this year was his improvement from last year. So I'm just going to bring a few stats up. His freshman year, he had 21 pick and roll possessions, including passes. 
and his sophomore year, he had 114. So that just multiplied by five pretty much. And, and he became more efficient on those. And then and in freshman year, he only had, I think, 11 attempts off the dribble shooting. And sophomore year, he had 81. So he got more efficient with both of those in his sophomore year, and he increased the volume, which is very promising. But yeah, he, he's not going to be his number one guy on offense. But I do think he's more than just a go sit on the perimeter catch and shoot. I think he can create in the half court, like not not create in the half court, but he can get his own shot if needed. Right. I mean, he showed a little bit of that obviously in college, and you know he has that game that people don't always focus on now. But like he he got to the mid range and did a little bit of that. Like, and he's got pretty good length. He can get his own shot off. I'm not sure he can get all the way to the rim. That'd be my concern about his offense is that I'm not sure he puts a lot of pressure on the rim if at all. Um, would you agree with that? Is that a concern? Like I, again, in a small role, it matters less. But that's the question mark that I have about myself. Yeah, no, I agree there, and, and like you brought up with the the mid range as well, the length, and he has a high release point, so so he's able to get those shots off even over contest because it's tough to actually block his shot, which is why I think to a certain extent that could translate. Although it's, it's tough shot making, so whether you want to rely on tough shot making translate or not is another question. But yeah, he he has shown that in college, which is nice, and and that's something that he didn't show as much as freshman year, and that's why I think there's a little bit of a split between people of whether he can do it or he can't because he's shown the flashes at least right and def- defensively he is really skinny the off ball feel is really good he's got really good anticipation etc um do you worry about his strength moving forward as an on-ball guy because obviously a core is the exact opposite we'll get to him in a second but uh you know there are guys you know Vassell is just interesting in that People are going to look at him and not see a great defender, just physically speaking. But obviously, the feels so good. But do you worry that he'll get picked on in the NBA at all as an on-ball guy, or is that not a concern for you? I'm not saying it's not a concern, but I'm not too worried about it either. I think I'm sort of in the middle. I know that's sort of taking the safe way out, but it, it's tough with him. No, I get it. <laughs> obviously, like you'd want him to be stronger. But at the same time, I do think he's just a really good defender. And I know he's better off-ball than on-ball, but... I'm not saying like, oh, he's going to go out and defend LeBron on the wing, but I don't think there's that many guys who will just completely bully him like LeBron as well. So I think for the most part, he should be able to hold his ground there. Maybe there are a few that he can't, but I think he'll be fine for the most part. That makes sense. Uh, and going to going to Okoro, we'll probably come back to Vassell in a second, but Okoro, obviously the jump shot's the big concern. We'll, come, we'll definitely touch on that. Um, On-ball defense, he's kind of a freak. Uh, the I've been laughing about the Lou Dort comps, and uh, that's been funny. Uh, we can talk about that if we want to. But uh, Okoro's on-ball defense is so good. His you know physicality, speaking, he's also got like legendary off-court like worker motor personality stuff that everybody loves about Okoro. Uh, but offensively, obviously, the the jump shots th- is the headliner. But I do like a lot of other things that he can do um, offensively. I guess I'll ask you about the defense first. Uh, you know, on ball, is he as good as everyone thinks he is? And what do you think about his off ball defense? So on ball, it's tough. I I think he's a really good on ball defender. I'm not sure exactly like how everyone's been saying how great he is as a defender on ball. Sure. I think he's a really good <laughs> defender on ball um, compared to everyone else. I don't know. But something I really like about his on ball defense, even against uh, smaller guards, is while he does sometimes get beat, like Saban Lee's really athletic, really explosive, and he did beat. Okoro off the dribble several times but at the same time Okoro when he has a smaller guy on him and when they do get past him for like a first step they can't turn the corner on him every time because Okoro uses his strength to push them off their spot so even if they 
get the first step on the Cordell, they won't get all the way to the basket because he'll just use his strength and push them off their spot, which is what I like about him as well on the ball. So that is something that I don't think is brought up a lot that I do like about him there. And then off ball, he's a good defender. I definitely prefer Vassell in that category. But yeah, he's he's good off ball as well. Yeah, it's... Do you worry about the size at all? I know he's obviously so physically strong, but he isn't 6'8", 6'9". This is a guy who might measure, what, 6'5"? six maybe five like he's not he's not super tall or super long is that a concern for you as someone who's supposed to be a shutdown guy on the wing when you're going to ask him to cover you know your prototypical six eight scoring forwards it's not a concern of me I think there's always going to be I mean you'll you'll see the times where there there are times where he just won't be able to contest a shot because of something but for the most part I think he'll be more than great on that end and that's not a worry like you see like you see someone like like Brandon Clark who he doesn't have the best size and he makes good rotations. There are times where just his length makes him not be able to contest or block a shot. But for the most part, the IQ and with a coral, the physicality and the strength is going to be there. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, offensively, what do you think of Okoro? Uh, a the jump shot, of course, but B, like, what happens if the jump shot doesn't go in? Like, can he still be? I guess this is big, probably the big question that I get asked all the time: is what happens with Okoro if he can't shoot? And uh, it's a, it's a big question for sure. I, I do like his ability with the ball in his hands and attacking the room and his passing and his feel. But if you can't shoot, it's, it it gets to be tough. So, um, how do you where do you sort of stand on that? Because it's obviously the biggest question about him. Yeah. So in terms of his, um, if he can't shoot, I think that. It's tough to put the ball in his hands if he can't shoot because people are just going to go under screens, force him to shoot. And I think him not being able to shoot will also take away his passing. He won't be able to leverage as much. But you see guys like Mikhail Bridges who, who, who struggled to shoot early on in his career. And he still found ways to at least have an impact on offense with, with off-ball cuts and using their length to finish. And while... Bridges has more length than Okoro. Okoro is a good off-ball cutter. He can move on the offensive end. He's good at getting offensive rebounds, and he's a good finisher. So as long as there's some off-ball movement, and I think there doesn't even have to be like team off-ball movement, although that helps, I think he'll find lanes to cut to where he can have an impact on that end. Although I do think if the shot doesn't come around, he definitely can be a liability on that end. And one thing that I saw early in the year before, before conference play is teams were closing out hard on him. And that's why we saw him get to the basket and finish more. And we saw the passing out of him. And then you go to conference play when there's smarter teams and teams started to finally help off of him. They started not closing out as hard on him. And that's when he started to struggle a little bit early on in conference. And he picked it up as it went on. But I I do think NBA teams are smarter than college teams and they're going to catch on to that. So they're going to take away his strength and and make him prove his advantages. So I, I do think that there is a way for him to have impact on offense without the shot, but there's also a possibility he's a liability. Do you think it's going to come around? I mean, no one's going to project him to be a great shooter, but I know it's, I'm asking you to do say something that nobody's going to be able to really tell, but are there indicators that you like? Obviously being a hard worker is a good data point for him, but uh, you know, where do you sort of stand on the projection of his jump shot? Can it get to league average? And that's kind of all, all it needs to be, but can he get there? Yeah, I'm a little worried, but I think it can get there. I think at the number six pick, that's not something that I'd want to bet on. 
But if you get like maybe a little bit closer to, to 10, I'm more happy taking the bet on him there. So at six, that's why I prefer Vassell, um, just because I think it's an easier bet. But yeah, I think a quarter can get there. I am a little bit worried, but I think, like you said, the hard work and all that stuff, I, I do think that he can get there. It makes sense. And uh, I was going to ask you which one you prefer, but I think you just answered that with, uh, with yeah. Vassell, which is fine. And I think uh, there's there's definitely merit to both sides. People disagree. That's, that, that's what make this, makes this a lot of fun. Uh, Vassell is someone who would fit very, very well in Atlanta, I think. Um, I'm going to save Halliburton for the end because he is the guy that is in the most mock draft stuff to the Hawks. So I get, I get asked about him all the time. Um, a couple more guys I want to make sure we touched on quickly. Uh, one of, one is a Kongwu who there's obviously fit stuff there with Atlanta and the other is maybe Pat Williams. There's been some helium on Pat Williams recently from Florida state, not a guy who was widely projected to be a top six consideration, but there uh, seems to be some buzz about him maybe climbing into the top 10. Would you consider either or both of them? If you were the Hawks, uh, knowing all of what they know, um, we'll start with Pat. Will I would not consider him at six. It's, it's too high for me. Uh, I do think, so I like Patrick Williams' skill set. I think he's going to be a solid player. Like I said before, with Trent Forrest and Devin Vassell, I've watched a lot of Florida State this year. They were, re- <laughs> they were really fun to watch. Yep. Uh, and I-, I do think um, the upside is a little over- overstated with him as well, like it is with Denny. Um, I-, I think that people say he has these offensive flashes, which which I agree he does have the flashes, but he's not going to become this offensive engine. And the thing with that is his his upside or his, his shooting flashes off the dribble, they're more of these, okay, he catches the ball on the perimeter, they close out on him, one dribble pull up. He's not really creating for himself consistently out of the half court, and I don't think he ever will, unfortunately. So so that's where I would like to see from him if I was taking him six. And one thing that I ha- has me a little bit lower on him, although I still like him, is he's a four instead of a three because he can't really move on the perimeter, unfortunately. And while he has a high Q, I think he's actually a good rim protector for his size. When, when he's a four, he does lose some value because that limits him where he can play and what lineups he can play in. And there was just too many times this year where he just was guarding someone and they just drove right by him so easy. Like the one that just always comes to mind, and you might know it, or if not, I would recommend watching it. It's just Florida State's up by one with two minutes left against Syracuse. And Elijah Hughes just dribbles right by him to take the lead with two minutes left. And it was way too easy to get to the basket at that point of the game. And, and that's my worry with Pat Will. I, I do think he's a high IQ on both ends. I think he's a good rim protector for his size. He has nice passing. I'd like the shot. But he's more of a role player than this upside guy, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and Okong was a guy I've always liked a lot. Um, from USC, of course, but you know the Hawks have a situation where they just invested in Clint Capella, who has three years left in his deal. Uh, they have John Collins, who they like at the four, but still is a uh, four, really a, like a four and a half in the NBA. Um, does is that would be would that be enough to shake you off of a Kongwu if you liked him like as the best player available for the Hawks? Like where do you sort of stand on that divide at a pick like six, where you know it's not always best player available, even if the team tells you that it is, but that's so obviously a fit concern that it may scare you off. I don't know. Yeah, I personally prefer Killian Hayes or Vassell over him and probably even a quarter over him from the Hawks perspective. It just because I, I know people have a Kongwu in that top four tier. I disagree with her. He, he's in that next tier with me, which I still like him a lot. I had the chance to go to a couple of USC games and see him in person. But yeah, there are other players that I would take. And it, it, it's tough to take him when you already have John Collins and Clint Capella, unless you're you're actively saying, OK, we are going to trade one of these players. And, and who knows? Maybe it does happen. But 
I'm not sure it will happen. And I, I just think there's a there's a safer and better bet to take than a Kongu. Although he is good, he has uh, he's very good getting off the floor when he rolls to the basket. He he moves well on defense. I do think with with his hedging out of the pick and roll or when he's defending the pick and roll, he can get a little handsy, and that can re- um, result in some foul trouble. I do think that that's something that's not that hard to fix, but that, that's just not talked about or what I wanted to bring up. Um, but yeah, he, he's a good player. I think that he's shown some flashes of passing. I think that I was at the Washington game at USC this year, and he would really consistently throw that cross-court pass from the post, although... The thing about that is it was good to know that he, he's thinking of the cross-court pass to the opposite corner from the post. But at the same time, it wasn't always there. I think he was going into it saying, okay, I'm going to throw this pass instead of looking and seeing if the pass was there. So I think over time he'll get better with that. But knowing he can uh, think about the pass is good, but he has to improve there. Right. And, you know, I like him, I think, a little bit more than you based on what you just said. But even then, I'm not in a position where I'm going to be – advocating openly to take him as the Hawks. Because, again, Capella is not a rental. This is a guy who's still fairly young and under under contract for three more years. And uh, it's just not a practical situation unless you are planning to move on from him, which there's no indication of that actually happening. So uh, in the real world, I, I, I sort of would uh, have some skepticism as well of that. Uh, you mentioned Hayes. I, I'm going to save Hayes for the last guy I asked you about. So before we get to Hayes, um, let's talk about Tyrese Halliburton, who... I am lower on the number six on my board for sure, um, but there is uh, a lot of noise that the Hawks could be interested in him uh, fit-wise on offense. You can totally see why it would work. Uh, defensively, off-ball you like him, on-ball not so much. Uh, he's not terribly exciting, but I've always liked him. Uh, it would be a slight, a slight reach for me, at least in my mind, on Halliburton, but I'm definitely willing to put forth the fact that the Hawks could take him there. It would not surprise me in any way, shape, or form uh, based on the mocks and what I've heard. So, do you think that would be a good idea, or is this too early for Halliburton? Yeah, I mean, I could talk about Halliburton for a while because I think it's just an interesting prospect. He is, yeah. but um, I I don't like him at six, to be honest. I think that it's it's tough. I, I do think that Atlanta is one of the better teams to put him in his ideal role versus other teams who might take him because they already have Agreed. their initiator and Trey Young. Yep. So, so my concern with him mostly is the... I don't want a team picking him saying, okay, help us initiate an offense. And, and that's not what <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that's not what Atlanta's going to do. Um, maybe they might ask for him to help on the bench, but in, in spurts, give it a try and see if it works. If not, they can get away from it pretty easily. So 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 that's where the Hawks is why I like him there. But at the same time, six is too high because I don't want to take that kind of player who's who's off the ball as much as he is at six, especially because while he is this high IQ guy on both sides of the floor. I think when I'm team building next to Trey Young, I probably want a better perimeter defender. Yeah, at least on the ball. I think he feels he feels the game very well off the ball, but that is my principal concern. There are there are other ones, but the number one for me is that if you're drafting a guy at six, you're hoping he's at least a sixth man, if not your starting shooting guard. And I'm not sure you can defend on the ball with those two guys together in the backcourt. I do like Halliburton's IQ, but he's so weak. Um, he got targeted even even in college, despite being basically an All-American and everyone knowing he was the best player on the team, he still got targeted. And that kind of tells you that uh, it was a weakness for him. Um, I don't know. It's not a situation. If, if they traded down and took him, it wouldn't bother me at all. At six, it wouldn't like outrage me. I, I, I can definitely see it because of what you said. The fit there offensively does make a lot of sense. I like him in Atlanta a lot more than other places um, for him. If, I, if I'm his agent, I would love him to go to Atlanta. Um, not only because it's number six overall, but because of the fit. Uh, but other than that, I don't know. It's just interesting to me 
that there is so much buzz and it definitely exists on him. I just don't, it's not terribly exciting to me, but he is a connecting player and that they could sort of use that offensively. I buy the jump shot. I buy the passing. Like there's lots of stuff to like about Halliburton. It's just not, um, it's not a huge swing. That's for sure. Right. And like you said, the jump shot, we, we buy it. I mean, he shot 42.6%. 101 for 237 over two years from three and and he has expanded range so he does have a, a slower release and is a little unorthodox but he can expand his range so it helps him get a shot off and then like you said really good passer and while i do think nba teams who are smarter and more athletic will take away his advantages and and make him so this is where my concern on the ball comes from because i think that nba teams know he doesn't like attacking the paint and they know while he showed some shots off the dribble, he's not totally comfortable with that. So if they put him in the pick and roll consistently, teams are going to force him to drive or force him to shoot off the dribble and just take away his passing lanes because that's what he wants to do. So, so that's where the problem with me comes when thinking about him initiating. Yeah, and there is this thought process, part of the thought process anyway, that I've heard about Halliburton in Atlanta is that maybe he can be your backup point guard as well. I, I don't love that, especially if you don't have another guy that can run your offense on the wing. And the Hawks do buy you know, guys like Herter and Reddish a little bit doing that, but um, I, I don't love that projection. If that's part of why you're drafting him, I, I sort of get it, but he's not going to be able to really create for himself anyway. He's, he could definitely pass, pass people open. He's a really good passer, but I don't know. Um it's funny, I've talked to people on this podcast that I, that I trust that um, in a similar archetype would prefer Tyrese Maxey to Halliburton. Uh, I, I didn't ask you about Maxey because I've I'm, I'm not heard anything about him in Atlanta. And based on where I think he's probably going to go, it's not going to happen. But do you like Maxey more than Halliburton? Because I've heard that from a couple of different people. Yeah, I like Maxey more. I think it, it's tough with these Kentucky guards. You just They always do a lot better in the NBA as well than they do in college. And I mean, you, you can't really say, oh, he's Kentucky, he's going to be better. But no, I like Maxey. I think his, his burst on the floor and how he moves on the floor is, is really good. He has a, a nice first step. The one thing I will say about Maxey is I am a little, not worried, I guess I would say I'm worried. His handles aren't great. Um, he's not shifty with his handles. So I think while he has nice bursts and that helps him create some advantages, I don't think his handles help him out that much there. Yeah, I, I like Maxi too. I just don't think it's like practical. I'd be surprised if the Hawks took him at six, so I just don't talk about them that much. But I feel like everyone I have on almost really likes Maxi a lot more than the league does, so I figured I would at least bring it up because uh, they are similar in terms of positional fit and all that stuff between those two. Uh, I should ask you, is there anybody else that we have, that we have not talked about? We're going to save Hayes for a second, but you know, Poku's out there as a discussion point. Is there anybody else that we should mention that you think would be kind of interesting in Atlanta, or is this, is this kind of the list? Uh, well, before that, let me just go back to Kwangu for one second. Oh, yeah. I, I do want I do want to say that I, I don't dislike him. Like you said, you were higher on him than me, and you might be, but I, I want to make sure, like, I like him as a prospect. I think with me is, even last year, I was probably, with, with ranking-wise, I was a little lower than others on Jackson Hayes, because... I do think that the upside isn't just that intriguing to take them where people were taking them top five or top six. And, and right. that's not what I would do with that pick. Although I still like them. Like I thought Jackson Hayes would be fine as a prospect. I think Okongwu is one of the more safer ones. I think, I think Okongwu and Vassell are probably the two safer, safer ones in the draft. But in terms of anyone else that we haven't touched, I, I do think we touched on pretty much everyone that's realistic for Atlanta at their pick. And yeah, I mean, I, I think we did touch on everyone there, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the only other guy that everybody always asks me about is Poku because he's like the ultimate upside swing. I just can't see that actually happening. So, uh, Yeah, I like Poku, but it just doesn't, doesn't seem realistic and probably not even what you would see with the Hawks with them already having 
Collins and Capella as well. Yeah, I, I, I full stop wouldn't do it. I've been I've talked to people that I that I trust that would definitely consider it. I just don't think it's practical. Plus, I wouldn't do it. So there you go on that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, okay, last guy, Killian Hayes. Uh, it's I know you're high on him. I'm high on him as well. He's not a guy that's been mentioned with the Hawks a lot, both because of Trey and I think because of you know where they are in the draft. I still think they they, they should absolutely consider it if he's on the board. Um, but how do you feel? How do you feel about Hayes overall, and how do you think it would work in Atlanta? Because obviously, him playing with Trey is much different than him playing as the primary guy for the Pistons or the Knicks, something like that. Honestly, so like I told you before, I think he's top three in this class. So I'm definitely fine with him overall. I don't mind the fit. So it, it comes down to a shot, obviously. But I yep. don't mind the fit next to Trey Young if you believe in this shot because. If you believe in the shot, I mean, okay, maybe it takes two years, and if, if they want to start making the playoffs next year, I think they still can with A's, but if if, if they can't and they don't want to go that way, I, I get I understand. But long-term, I buy the shot with Hayes, and if it comes around, he has a nice size to, to play next to Trey Young. He's improved as a defender a lot, and he also can be a guy who can initiate the offense, who can help Trey Young get off the ball at times, maybe help him save some energy, use Trey Young as an elite catch-and-shoot guy, Obviously, you want the ball in Trey Young's hand more, but you can still play them together, and it would be fine. At the same time, Hayes can also run the bench unit. So you can, long-term, upside ceiling scenario, you can start him next to Trey Young. He can play on the ball and off the ball to get Trey Young off the ball as well at times. He can defend for his size, and then he can also you stagger their minutes and run him with the bench. So I personally don't see a problem there if the shot comes around. Yeah, I feel the same way, and he's actually the guy, you know, when people always mention Halliburton as like a backup point guard type to go along with him playing with Trey, Killian can actually do that. I think he can actually be your engine on the offense, uh, on, on the second unit. Um, do you think he will fit as an off? I know, I know the jump shot's a huge swing, but there's some questions that I've seen about just him functioning off the ball in general. Uh, do you feel like that's a, a problem? If, if the shot comes around, you just think it would work? I think it's a fair concern because we haven't really seen him succeed off the ball before um, in terms of shot, in terms of off-ball movement, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I do think that if the shot comes around, it just it helps so much on that end where I think getting him more in – he is better on ball, which is why I'd say you'd play him with the bench as well. But getting him more in – getting more off-ball reps for him could help him learn more of, okay, where should I be moving on off-ball? If I'm shooting, okay, where do I want to – to go when Trey Young drives. So I think that's something that he can learn because he is a smart player as well. And when he's the guy with the ball, he knows where other players should go. So not that it helps, I mean, it helps, not that he'll know, but it helps that, okay, maybe this is where they want me to be. So I should go here, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, defensively, I buy it too. You know, he's not like incredible right now defensively, but someone I think is going to be pretty good. He's got good size. He's strong. Uh, you know, he's a limited athlete in some ways. Do you worry about that at all? I mean, I, I don't find myself worrying about it, but there it's a talking point. The two things that I always hear about Hayes, in addition to the jump shot, are uh, left-hand dominant, which makes me laugh every time, and the, uh, and the lack of burst. Uh, do you worry about either one of those things? Okay, so I think that... With the left-hand dominant, like, I feel like we never hear right-hand dominant. It's always left-hand dominant. That is a point right. that I've made as well, and I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. so glad you said that because it I, drives I'm, me insane. I'm with you there. I mean, I do think it's fair to bring up that they're they're left-hand or right-hand dominant, but we just yes. never hear the other one. So, so I, yeah, I'm not going to just go and dismiss that. Like, he, he definitely does favor his left hand. And um, with the with the athleticism, I think that he has made strides there over the last few years, which is which is cool to see. I don't know how much more he can gain on that end. Um 
but he has improved his self-creation as well, which is very nice. I do think that he is a little predictable, even with his improved athleticism, and then he does rely on his step back a little too much. So there is a concern there. But if, if he does gain some more, some, more, some more burst or he gets to the rim more often, I think it's fine. But, but yeah, I think there is fair concerns there because you do see his step back is really good and it does create space. But there are times where he relies on it too much. And then I think against better athletes, he'll be forced to do that more also. Right. That, and that, that, that checks out with what I've seen. Um, all right. I think I've uh, taken too much of your time already. Uh, I will ask you a final question. And that is, uh, what would you do if you were the Hawks uh, of all these options are on the board? Obviously some of them won't be on the board, but is Hayes your number one if you're the Hawks? And if if, that, if it's not Hayes, who would it be after that? Yeah. So I'd go Hayes or Vassell. Um, okay. If you don't believe in Hayes shot, perfectly fine going in Vassell. But if you do believe in Hayes shot, I think Hayes is the guy. So those are my top two, and I'm pretty sure that one, maybe both of them will be available. I was going to say, it feels like it would be pretty unlikely for both of these guys, based on the intel that we've seen, the mocks that people that are based on intel, if they'll both be gone, I think they might both be on the board even, which is kind of uh, interesting to be sure. But uh, I don't hate that list whatsoever. I, I think that Hayes is someone I have third overall that I was guilty of not mentioning enough probably for the Hawks. But now that it's like reality setting in, I feel like he needs to be a part of the conversation, even if he's not necessarily part of the mock draft conversation usually. And I, uh, yeah, good stuff on all of that. Um, Zach, thanks for, thanks for giving me all, all, all this time, man. Uh, anything to plug that you uh, have going on that we should be t- telling people about? Um, no, I mean, just, I guess follow me on Twitter at Zach Milner 13 Z A C H is how you spell my name, uh, Zach. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I've been working on some underrated or un, um, second rounders or undrafted free agents. I've done two pieces of those so far, but I haven't done one the last month because we've had playoff basketball. I'm just enjoying that. So while I'm still watching the college film, I'm just not writing right now. Um, so just be on the lookout for that one. Once playoffs, uh, start to end or just, there's not as many games a day, I'll get back into those. Absolutely. And yeah, please follow Zach's work. It's uh, very, very good. And again, man, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast and we will see you probably next week, but uh, at the very least stay tuned. If you subscribe, you'll have the podcast in your feed when it comes. So uh, we'll see you very soon.